Welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And we are having a conversation today with Audrey Carlson, Liberty Oilfield Services, about health and hydrocarbons. And the intimate link between the two. And there's a link. Okay. Absolutely. So tell us about it. Well, we were, you were talking a lot about um, media. And I think that one of the big, in my industry, one of the mishaps is that our industry and what we're doing for the world usually gets spin around on its head to a negative thing. But um, the link of health, health and hydrocarbons and environment and hydrocarbons is actually really, really strong. And our story is such a good one to tell. So I'm happy to be here telling the story. Well, most definitely. And uh, on the promo that I did is um, with his wife, Thomas Jefferson had six children. Uh, two of them made it to adulthood. One died in childbirth. The other one only made it to old age. And then Abraham Lincoln had four sons, and only one of his sons made it to adulthood. And the comment that was made by Chris on the video is, did they have bad luck? What was the answer? The answer was they were born before the age of hydrocarbons. So um, really, once hydrocarbons hit the scene, there's actually two main things that we talk about of, of changing the human experience. And it happened in the middle or the second half of the 1800s. One is the arrival of human liberty. So we're talking property rights um, that really sparked in England and then spread throughout the world, um, giving humans the power to go and forge their own success. Uh, And the second one is the arrival of oil and gas. So giving the energy in order to find those successes. Well, and, you know, I actually have a personal experience on that is uh, my grandmother grew up on the plains of western Kansas in a two-room sod house. So there were, I think there were six or seven children, two parents, two rooms, sod house, and they burned, there weren't many trees out there, so they burned buffalo dung, they burned, you know, for, for fuel. So how is it that her granddaughter, just two generations later, can drive over here in a comfortable car, I have a cell phone computer, you're here. I mean, how does that work? I think it's because of energy. It's definitely energy. So before, in the the last 200 years, the primary source of of fuel, like you said, is biofuels. Um, Until the arrival of coal, uh, the forests of England were completely deforested before they, they were unfortunate to to be completely deforested before those different sources of energy came to light. Um, but thinking about life expectancy, that's one of the easiest mm-hmm. things to grasp. So from 2,000 years ago to 200 years ago, best case, 35 years. That's like the average life spend worldwide. Um, and then we see hydrocarbons hit the scene. And since hydrocarbons, life expectancy has doubled. So from 2,000 years ago to 200 years ago, 1,800 years life expectancy hadn't changed. Hydrocarbons come in, um, energy comes in and allows humans to flourish, and uh, life expectancy doubles. So what is it exactly? Is it that energy, uh, you know, we we have food, water? I mean, what is is that difference that was able to actually increase life expectancy, almost double it? Well, there's, I think that that's that role between the human liberty and letting humans do their thing. And and giving them the energy to do so. Okay, so it, it, in the video, you talked about women. That women uh, in in economies before hydrocarbons spend at least an hour a day 
going out and trying to get fuel for the home and then another hour trying to get water. Yeah. We take it for granted. Yeah. And that's not even, that's like, yes, that happened here in the United States, but this is something that's happening all over the world currently. So the arrival of fossil fuels and hydrocarbons to these, to these low income countries, um, the first people that are typically liberated are women because they're the ones that are responsible for gathering the wood because cows, we're not like cows where we can just eat grain and Mm -hmm. digest it. We have to cook it. Mm -hmm. So in order to gather the wood, women are typically the ones going out and finding the wood, finding the water. So once you bring typical is LPG, liquid petroleum gas, that's the most typical cooking fuel. Um, Once you bring that to these areas, to these remote areas, the women are the first ones that are liberated. So that's where you see spikes in education going up. Um, because they have time. Absolutely. Interesting. That is so interesting. Um, let's see. Oh, here. I can. I have, the I have, so, I have so many things that I can talk yeah, about. Let's Kim. go. To, you go. I'm going to follow your lead. Okay. Okay. I, well, first of all, I think I talked a little bit about um, life expectancy. So even currently, so we talked about the history of life expectancy. Now, um, the World Health Organization has, uh, has a chart on... Um, on per capita energy comp, uh, cons- consumption. Um, and if you plot that together with life expectancy, it, there's a clear alliance on, on the more energy you, you consume, the longer you live. So there's like two extremes in this chart. There's Japan um, that lives 35 times longer than the low end of Chad. Um, and Japan also uses 100 times more energy. So this plot is an upward trend. You see exactly the more energy you consume, the healthier, longer lives that you live. Well, and also I thought I saw in the video regarding Chad, though, that they actually generally are living better than people did many, many years ago as well. Even though they're at the low end in today's standards, they're much higher than over history. That's exactly true. So before hydrocarbons, they're still they're still heads above what we used to be 200 years ago. Uh-huh. So as I said before, I'm happy that I'm living, was born on this side of history. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. We'd be looking for uh, wood and water right now. So. Exactly. Okay, next thing that you'd like to hit on. Um, malnutrition. So I think that that's another World Health Organization, electricity access. So... Access to electricity, quite possibly the greatest inequality of people today. So there's a there's a heat chart of of all of our all of the countries around the world, and um, on the website the the countries that don't have access to electricity are red. The countries that do are green. If you put that map side to side with a picture of malnutritioned five year olds, the same same color scheme. You cannot tell the difference. So just as we're we're talking about life expectancy, the lower energy consumption that you have, you tend to have more malnutrition five-year-olds. So so Niger um, in Africa has 80 times higher malnutrition five-year-olds than the U.S., yet they consume one two-hundredth of the amount of energy that we do here in the U.S. So... Audrey Carlson, it seems to me if we say that we care about other people, and we do, then it seems like instead of like in Colorado passing Senate Bill 181, which would really shut down uh, oil and gas development in, in Colorado, it seems like we would be trying to do things to responsibly 
augment that. Yeah, in in the U.S., so the shale revolution that's happening in the U.S. that's sweeping the entire nation. So basically, before uh, in the last, really the last ten years, we used to be able to just stick a straw down, suck up, um, and then we saw that you're talking about oil and gas. Yeah. Yes, oil and mm-hmm. gas. And now, and now with the with the shale revolution, we're we're able to get oil and gas out of these tight shale formations. So that's why hydraulic fracturing has come to light and really expanded um, the reach of, of what we can produce here in the United States. And what that has done, what we're producing here in the United States, has sparked this movement across the entire world, lifting people out of poverty by, um, you know, decreasing the price of energy and that might allow someone to get their first lpg stove or they might allow them to get their first moped so they're not not or even their first bicycle Uh uh-huh oh my gosh now a couple of things we're going to go to break audrey carlson and two things i think we need to explain hydraulic fracturing a little bit to people and then i'd like the the creativity and innovation of liberty oil field services you know one of the things that has been um, a concern in in Colorado that people have said is that when a well is fracking, typically it only takes about thirty days, isn't it, the, to frack a well? No, 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 even shorter than that. Typically, in one well, we it's like four days. Okay, and that can be a very loud process. Yeah. And so what you guys did is uh, the other thing you mentioned, both human liberty and oil and gas, is you used resourcefulness, creativity, and innovation, and you. You address the problem. And Liberty Oil Field Services, I've been out and I've seen it. It's quiet. And so people are concerned about noise. So you said, well, fix it. And you did. Well, I think it's, I think oil and gas companies that we work for as our customers, they're extremely concerned about being good neighbors. I mean, it is a nuisance. We're in their backyard thinking about, like, if you think about building a Starbucks across the street from you, there's going to be noise. And it's going to be traffic and all of those things. So, so as a service company, we're we're trying to think about ways to make that process easier, not only for the communities but for our customers to operate inside the communities. And so, instead of saying that you can't have Starbucks across the street, figure out a way to be a good neighbor, right? Absolutely. Okay, we're going to go to break. I'd like to talk a little bit more about hydraulic fracturing, and then also uh, anything else that you want to hit. But in the video, you talked about particulate matter. And I think that we need to talk a little bit about that as well. So this is Kim Munson with the Americhicks. I have Audrey Carlson in studio with Liberty Oilfield Services. We're talking about the the inextricable link, the, the link between health and hydrocarbons. Just a fascinating conversation. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Charlie decided to go with 40s music this morning, huh? I like it. Uh, thrilled to have in studio with me uh, Audrey Carlson with Liberty Oilfield Services. I know I sounds like I'm talking fast. People have said, slow down, slow down. But we have so much we want to talk about. So Audrey Carlson, you said that there are two things that have really uh, helped human flourishing, and that was human liberty and oil and gas development. And one of the, the amazing things that has happened is hydraulic fracturing. And the, those that, that, that want to keep us away from oil and gas and the thriving that happens for everyday people have in some ways given fracking a bad name. Can you explain what fracking is exactly? 
Yeah, if you think about, like, um, so shale is as tight as, like, what your granite countertop would feel like. Okay. It's very, very tight, but inside that shale there's oil and gas. So what is what we're doing when we frack a well um, is we're pumping water down at high pressures to create tiny little hairline fracks um, in the rock. Pressures, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then they're actually held open by sand. Okay. So a tiny grain of sand. So people, when they think about fracking, they think about these giant cracks underground. But we're two miles underground, two miles out when we're doing horizontal drilling, which is another fabulous mm-hmm. invention um, um, to preserve some of our surface surface area. Um, but And then these tiny cra- fractures that we're creating in the rock are just held open by a grain of sand. And then we work our way from the toe of the well back down to the heel, creating all this little tiny fracture system, and then releasing that oil and gas when we start pressurizing the, the well. And, you know, and that has made America... Uh, energy independent. And that changes things in the the whole geopolitical realm of the world. It's a very important thing when we are not having to be dependent on others. And it's because of this creativity and innovation. Yeah. And it's not even, I mean, it's, I'm so excited about what we're doing for here in America, but also what it's doing for the world and world poverty um, energy poverty is something that is an issue just in our country, but it's a big issue around around the whole entire world and, and the access to clean energy, um, access to energy in general, um, trying to get people away from, from burning biofuels um, and releasing those particulate matter in the air. And that, that particulate matter, and again, this is on that video, uh, and particulate matter is really kind of the one of the number one um, pollutants, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, particular matter is a is a huge issue. So, um, and that comes from the biofuels. Yeah, primarily. a lot of it comes from the biofuels. So, there's three million people that die every year from indoor air pollution. So, a lot of that is either um, cooking with with wood, dung, sticks, um, heating their house. Uh, but but it's really there. If you look at a map with particulate matter with concentration by country. Um, out of the major economic powerhouses, the U.S. by far has the cleanest air. Um, we're, we're the ninth in the world for the cleanest air. And the nine um, other countries below us are island countries with very, very low um, population. Okay. You mean all the, the other countries that have cleaner air, cleaner air Okay, are typically island countries? And, and so we're a big country. Yeah. And we're doing a lot of stuff. We're doing a lot of stuff. And particulate matter is not really an issue here, especially that indoor particulate matter. But in poor countries, it's a huge issue. And it's completely addressable with modern and better energy. Okay. And I know that Chris Wright, the founder of Liberty Oilfield Services, has traveled to a number of different countries. Because this whole... Uh, energy poverty and, and uh, you know, just poverty, people's well-being, that seems to be something that's really on his heart. And uh, so responsible, efficient, abundant energy, he realizes is good here in America. It's good for people across the globe. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's awesome to celebrate lower oil prices, lower gas prices. So since we were talking about the shale revolution, since the shale revolution, U.S. oil production has doubled, and at the same time, price of oil has cut in half. And we see the same thing with natural gas. So what that means to you and I is it's a trillion dollars that's transferred from energy producers to energy consumers, which everyone here, even you, Steve, 
or energy <laughs> consumers. Um, he consumes a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Energy consumers. So that, that, that wealth transfer, it's $200 per person worldwide. So $200 for a person, I mean, it's a lot for me. I buy a couple nice pair of shoes, but it's also, it's it's transformative for people that are living under the poverty line. I think our energy consumer, Steve, wants to say something. No? No, you just kind of caught me off guard. I'm (laughs) I'm trying to take all this in at the same time, and all of a sudden you kind of snap me back (laughs) into it. See, when Kim goes and throws it back at you, I felt like I needed to jump in there. <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> um, okay, so wind and solar. This is something that I thought was very important in the, uh, in the video as well, is that 80% of the world's energy comes from hydrocarbons. And then another 18%, that's probably water uh, or hydro... Um, I, what do you call that? Uh, water? Uh, is it hydro. Uh, uh, hydro, yeah, hydro okay. energy. Okay, only 2% of the world's energy comes from wind and solar. But yet you, we're seeing this big push for that, and it's not nearly as reliable. I, I can't quite figure out why, you know, we have something that's really working, but yet there's this move to try to get us to something that, that is only 2% of the energy source. Yeah, it's, and in, in the United States, it's the same exact thing. But I think it's more importantly to look at the cost of that. Okay. So, so if Germany is a perfect example, Germany has really gone all in with renewables, um, and currently Germany has three times higher electricity price than the U.S. Um, and not to mention, or not to forget, more like um, over the last decade, Germany has decreased their per capita CO2 emissions less than the United States has. So, United States has more of a free market approach in most areas. Um, Colorado is soon to change with a couple of the new um, new laws that have passed in this last session. Um, but California is an example of similar to to um, Germany. Um, California's energy has changed their energy system, um, resulting in in a consumer electricity costs that are 50 percent higher than the national average, um, and industrial electricity price that are 80 percent higher than the national average. So that's devastating for poor people um, in California. And now California has now claimed the throne of. Um, the highest adjusted poverty rate in the entire nation with 20%, almost 20% of Californians are below the line of poverty um, because of that shift in, in their uh, energy system. Um, and that's devastating. That's I crazy. tell you what, uh, Audrey Carlson, this seems uh, to actually be in America where we have these abundant resources and to be using policy like that the, they're doing in California and that we're starting to try to do here in Colorado. It increases the prices. It looks to me like we're going to be creating energy poverty right here in uh, Colorado and California. Yeah, I mean, Colorado already, we're talking about energy poverty on a, on a worldwide basis, which is insane. But we have energy poverty here in the United States, in Colorado. Um, one of the... One of the um, Highest concentration of low-income families is in the San Luis Valley. And out of those low-income households, 25% in Colorado still heat their home primarily with wood. So we talked a little bit about particulate matter and how that affects humans' health. Um, So that is an issue that's happening here in Colorado. 
boy, it seems that we we should be espousing policies that are going to help people uh, have more energy instead of putting them into energy uh, poverty. Because these policies, what I see, it's going to cre- increase our uh, electricity costs significantly. So, Audrey Carlson, first of all, great to have you here. We're just about out of time. What would be the final thought that you would like to leave with our listeners? I think it's important to just look at the whole picture of energy, look at the costs, look at the look at the benefits of what you're choosing to to use as energy, whether you're walking on your feet or you're turning on your natural gas heater. Um, energy poverty matters. And what we're doing here in the United States is sparking this change throughout the entire world. Well, and and to that point, if we have uh, politicians and bureaucrats and interested parties that are trying to stifle responsible, efficient, and abundant energy development, I think we need to, to take that into account when we go to the ballot box. So, Audrey Carlson, thank you so much. It's great to have you here. 